This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. So when we say hallelujah, we're going, I'm celebrating. I'm boasting in the greatness of God. So come on, let's celebrate this morning, shall we? Hallelujah! Yes! God, we boast of you and your greatness. We celebrate your power and your resurrection. Hallelujah! God bless you. You may be seated this morning. You may be seated today. I, one of my favorite uh, uh, quotes of Easter is, that, is actually by one of our, our past popes, one of the past popes in, in the Catholic Church, but it says, do not abandon yourselves to despair. You know, I don't know about you, but I think we live in a culture today of despairing. There's a lot of despair that's going around. But he says this, he marks us with this. He says, we are the Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. I love that Easter identifies us. Does Easter identify you? It celebrates who we are. And we're glad that you have come to celebrate this amazing, amazing day with us. I just want to thank our team for putting together such an amazing presentation this morning. You have an amazing church. You have an amazing team that puts so much out. And the human videos, the songs, our LED lights that we have brand new as our stage design. And we, we do that because we have such amazing people. Today as we gather, as we come to a story that is common to some, some that we can kind of take it for granted. Anybody, you know, we, we hear the story over and over and over and over again, and sometimes it just becomes a comfort to us. I was reading an article this week or reading an illustration this week, and it was telling about a Sunday school teacher of a third grade, third grade Sunday school class. Everyone say Sunday school. Some of you are like looking at me with wide eyes, I go, and what in the world is Sunday school? Sunday school is where we used to have classes for children. We now have classes in a different form, but Sunday school, this Sunday school teacher was teaching a third grade class, and she was explaining the story of Jesus, the crucifixion and the resurrection, and, and getting to the climax of the story, and, and she said, and do you know what Jesus' first words when he came out of the tomb were? And there's a third grade girl in the back of the classroom going, I know, I know, I know the answer. And she goes, okay, Susie, what is it? And she goes, ta-da! <laughs> Can I tell you today, I believe that that's what Jesus is doing. It's what we need to come and go, ta-da! <laughs> Amen? I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, I was preparing this week, in the last couple weeks, Easter for pastors is is an intense period of time. It's an intense period of, of preparation because we feel this pressure to go, no, there's going to be a building full of people, and we want to rightly communicate the word of truth, and we want to have this pizzazz and this wow. And I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit said to me this week because this is how the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He goes, Kevin, number one, it's not about you. And Jesus has always been the wow factor, so just lift Jesus up. So today we're going to come and we're going to lift Jesus up and we're going to tell the story of Jesus. Easter is a significant, significant story. It's significant to me and I hope that it's significant to you. Obviously, you're here for a reason today. Easter is not just an event in history. It's not just a prophecy for fulfilled. It's not just an event that took place. It's not just something that was passed. It's a story that impacts us still today. It's a story that has impacted my life, and I trust that it has impacted your life. As Pastor Ali was up here to fire you all up, man, she is a firehouse. But she talked about hope. Can I tell you, this is a story of hope. 
When there is despair, when there's despondency, when there is the, the silent Saturdays like the disciples encountered like yesterday, before the resurrection, can I tell you that there's moments of hopelessness in our lives? And this is a story of hope. It's a story of life. It's a story of, of what we can par- participate in today. But I think oftentimes, in the middle of knowing the facts, in the middle of reading the story, in the middle of understanding everything, we can lose significance. It can lose some pizzazz in our lives. We can come in this room and we can shout and we can celebrate and we can get all jazzed because today is Easter. Ta-da! But can I tell you that oftentimes in its familiarity, this story loses its gravity. I know it's lost some gravity in my life from time to time. Can I tell you that this story in us as believers is not just a story for one day a year. It is a story that identifies us every moment of every day as believers in Christ Jesus. There needs to be something in us that stirs, that rises up when we think about this story. In the midst of all of our traditions of celebrations and our forms and the movement of our culture, we can lose the significance of it and we can begin to elevate things that really are not as significant. And I can tell you today that I would not value Easter the way that I value Easter if I had not experienced the Jesus that I've experienced. Today, when we talk about Easter, it's not about just an empty tomb and a cross. It's not about the Easter bunny. It's not about just gathering together for an early morning breakfast or a family dinner. It's about this man, Jesus, who died and rose again and changed my life and hopefully changed your life. Because that's what his reason and his purpose was all about. But for us to understand the gravity, I think we've lost some significance in the story. And I prepared this week as I went through all the Gospels, just reading the Holy Week events. And before I get to my, the meat of my message today, I want us to understand Holy Week. Holy Week, that maybe you from your background or from your belief system, you don't even really understand what Holy Week is. But in the nominal church and the church understanding, Holy Week was a week to signify all of the events that led up to Easter, all of the events of Jesus' life. And every day had significance. Holy Week began last Sunday on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was the day when Jesus rode the donkey into, into Jerusalem and, it, and people laid their cloaks out and they uh, had palm branches and they said what? Hosanna, Hosanna to the King. Hosanna in the highest, a celebration as he came into Jerusalem on the beginning of Holy Week that he knew his destination was death on Friday. Came in and he interacted with the people and he made the chief priests angry like he always did. He healed many people and he left the city and he went to Bethany, it says, and he spent the night in Bethany. And Monday morning as he's going back to Jerusalem, you have to understand that a significant moment here, that every event, everything that was taking place through this Holy Week in preparation was not done by accident. How many know that God's very on purpose? Once again, Jesus revealing his power and as he's walking to Jerusalem, he comes to this fig tree that is not bearing anything and he curses the fig tree. Once again, trying to reveal to his disciples what it is that his power was. Jesus then goes into the temple and he overturns the tables. and says this is a place of prayer, not a place of commerce. He, the chief priests begin to question his authority and in turn he questions their authority. 
Jesus tells many parables, and the Pharisees hear these parables, and they get angry once again to plot for his arrest. Jesus communicates once again the greatest commandment of loving God and loving people, and he leaves Jerusalem once again to go back to Bethany to spend the night. Tuesday morning, disciples and Jesus, as their way back into Jerusalem, they see the fig tree that Jesus cursed, and it's withered revealing once again the power of God, the power of Jesus. The parables and the teachings of the end times go about, and the Pharisees are following around and continue to plot for Jesus' demise. Wednesday happens, and Jesus is back in Bethany, and he's in the house of Simon the leper, and he's eating. And one of the most controversial events takes place. The woman with the perfume comes in and anoints Jesus for who he was. Controversial, not just to the bystanders, but to the disciples themselves. They're going, what is happening here? And out of that is we see Judas who rises up and is angry going, we just wasted all this money. And that was the instigation. It was the moment that shifted Judas into going and betraying Jesus. Thursday, which some denominations call it Monday Thursday, the Passover Monday, meaning the Latin word commandment, this new commandment that he gave. And if you remember that Jesus, as he's celebrating the Passover, he says, I give you a commandment, a new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This concept. And on this Passover day, he sends the disciples in to make preparation to find this location. And they celebrate the Passover. Jesus washes his disciples' feet and he serves them communion and he foretells that Peter's going to deny him. Jesus goes to the garden with his disciples and he prays, not my will but thine be done. And then the crowd comes to arrest Jesus. Jesus is taken to the Sanhedrin for his first trial. And then we come on the scene of what we call Good Friday. And you go, what is good about Friday? Death is not good. Crucifixion is not good. But can I tell you today, what Jesus did for us was very, very good. Salvation and cleansing from sin. Peter betrays Jesus on Good Friday. Judas hangs himself on Good Friday. Jesus was tried before Pilate and Herod and then sentenced by Pilate. The crowd that yelled, Hosanna's, now yelled, crucify him. Friday by three, Jesus had passed. And Joseph of Arimathea came to retrieve his body. What we have to understand is that in the Jewish culture, that Sabbath began Friday p.m. Good Friday. So they are preparing as much as they can, but as soon as the sun goes down, they are on Sabbath. They are having to stay away from all things labor and burial. In the church culture, we call Saturday Holy Saturday, also the Sabbath for those that were believing in it. It was the day before Easter Sunday. Saturday marks the time of Jesus in the tomb. It was the earthly day of silence and human sorrow. The earthly day that we're going, what are we going to do? Can you just imagine if you were there that you watched Jesus' miracles? You watch him walk into this, you see him ride in the, the, to Jerusalem on the donkey, and the crowds are celebrating his majesty and who he is. And now all of a sudden, just six days later, 
Jesus is dead, and all hopes and dreams are banished. <clears throat> it was a day of earthly silence, a day of human sorrow, a day of grieving, a day of questioning, a day of confusion. And what I love about this day, what I love about this concept is, can I tell you that I have some Holy Saturdays in my life? Have you ever had a Holy Saturday? Where there's been sorrow, where there's been grieving, where there's been questions, where there's been confusion. And I love in this story that God doesn't come and condemn for a question in our Holy Saturday of silence. We see what's happening on this planet, what's happening on earth. We see what's taking place here. But if you know the story, if you know the scriptures, we know that Saturday, what we believe as, as believers and followers of Christ, is that Jesus didn't just die on a cross, but he went to hell to get death, hell, and the grave to conquer victorious. That Saturday, Sunday morning when he rose, that was what, what victory was all about. Even though we saw silence and we saw stillness on Saturday, even though we're going, God, where are you? God is working. And then we see Sunday, which is Easter. Resurrection Sunday. The day that Jesus rose from the dead. The day that for 2,000 years we gather to celebrate. For 2,000 years we come and we lift up the name of Jesus. The one day in human history that transformed everything. And for us to grasp the gravity of the story, we, have to, we must understand the entirety of the story. For us to understand the story, we've got to see the path that he took. We've got to understand why he came. And I can tell you today that it just didn't happen Holy Week. The reason Jesus came was not just because of Holy Week. It happened thousands of years prior to at the fall of man. That when Adam and Eve sinned, stepped into sin and broke covenant with God, at that very moment there was a backup plan. Not a backup plan, but the ultimate plan. That Jesus, the Son of God, would come not just for Adam and Eve, but for you and me. So that's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we get to come and we get to gather around this moment, this, this, single, this significant moment in history. What I realize in my own life, and as you, I don't know what your, your, your uh, annual traditions are, but I begin to read the story weeks ahead, and I begin to plan, I begin to watch all the Easter movies that I can possibly watch, because I just want to be enthralled by all of it, whether they're all accurate or not. I just want to feel. Today, I don't think all of us can embrace all of the emotion that comes with this story. I think we can take bits and pieces of it to what's comfortable to us. And I believe that that's how we see the Gospels, that every Gospel writer is writing from a different perspective and a different angle. This way that they heard first and what they experienced. Every disciple, all the people that were following Christ, they knew what had happened. They were eyewitnesses. They saw it all. They saw the, the brutal beatings. They saw the crucifixion. They saw him die. They saw him put into a tomb. They encountered it. They experienced it. They walked it. Where you and I get to look back and we can see prophecy foretold and we can see uh, the after effect of the crucifixion and the resurrection, they were living the real story in time. And I think that we must remember that for us to encounter it, we must put ourselves there to go, God, what happened? 
Matthew 28, if you want to turn there with me, you'll see it on the screen as well. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. It says, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. Thank you. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and he sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay and then go quickly and tell his disciples Tell him that he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of them into Galilee. There you will see him. And now I, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said to them. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. God, today I thank you for this story, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the gospel that we have today, the gospel stories, the gospel telling. Lord, I pray that through these next few moments, would you speak to us? We know that your word is powerful and that it will not return void. So God, we pray that it will penetrate, that your word would penetrate people's hearts, not my words. And God, we thank you for this very special day. God, we thank you that your son Jesus was so obedient to the point of death. Jesus, we thank you that you went the distance for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mary Magdalene and the other Mother Mary, or other Mary, were on their way to the tomb, and all of a sudden, this earthquake took place. You know, if you think about this idea of Mary and Mary going to the tomb, they were going with not expectations that Jesus had risen. They were going with expectations that they were going to seal the tomb for good. They realized that it was a day not of celebration, but a moment of bleakness and death. They were expecting Jesus to be laying there and for their memories to be wrapped around the memories of what Jesus had done. And all of a sudden, this earthquake takes place and their lives are shifted. Their perspective is shifted. The events of the day are shifted. They come and the tomb is open. The tomb is there. And they not only are just hearing about a tomb that was open, they're experiencing a tomb that was open. Not only are they hearing about an angel that sat on the, the, the stone, they saw the angel that sat on the stone. They heard the words of the angel on the stone. And we see this story and we understand that there was a very de- clear declaration of what the, the, the angel said. He came in and said, He is risen. There's a a risen Savior. He's risen. What we see in this story is what we can see time and time again throughout Scripture, that the constant invitation of God is to come and see and to go and tell. Jesus, as the disciples, or as Mary and Mary came, he's going, come and see your Savior. He's risen. He's not here. I don't know about you, but I think I would be a little bit hesitant if I were Mary and Mary to come back and go... Jesus, the angel's going, come, just come look. And you're like going, I don't know if I want to look. Anybody ever feel that way? I don't know if I want to encounter. I don't know if I want to experience. I like hearing about, but I don't know if I want to step into. 
and this process that they had to come to come in and step in and see that Jesus was not there. The Easter message is this, that we must come experience God. We must see what He has done, and then we must go into the world and tell others what He has done. Can I tell you today the simplicity of the story, the simplicity of the gospel is this very thing, that God doesn't ask us to do something that we have not encountered. God has not asked us to talk about something that we have not experienced. So when we come for an Easter experience like this, we're just wanting you to step in to immerse yourself into the story. So our first point to the, today is this, come and see. Come and see. It's an invitation. It's an experience. It's an encounter with God. Matthew 28, 5 through 6, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I would be afraid. He's telling them for a reason. The soldiers were afraid. They were passed out on the ground. Jesus was crucified, this Jesus that was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. Come and see the place where he once laid. Come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. Can I tell you that's the core of our faith? It's the core of our belief system. Religion is hearing about. Faith is experiencing. Today we're not here to just talk about a religion. Today we're not just here to go, this is what we believe. We want you to experience what you believe. We want you to walk out what you believe. We know that it has to be by this process of coming and seeing and walking it out. What do you think that their response was? Mary and Mary, I, I would be astonished. I, I would be like going, is this for real? I'd be like looking around, you know, the, 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 it says that the shroud was there like as someone had, uh, my concept is like someone had put a hand in a glove and pulled the hand out and the glove was still laying there. The shroud was there as if it was wrapped around Jesus, but it was empty. Astonishment, shock, bewilderment, wonder. Can you imagine if there was even questioning going, am I going to accept the words of this angel that Jesus has risen I don't know about you, but we get the Word of God to us every single day if you're reading it, and it's His Word, and we have a choice to believe what is said or to not believe what is said. Do you ever question what is said? I can imagine in the humanity of Mary and Mary, there was a questioning that was taking place in their life to going, is this real, real, really real? Did someone come and take Jesus? But they had to accept it, and they had to encounter it, and they had to believe it as if it were for real. Mary and many of the disciples, the witnesses, they saw him die. They saw the grave that was empty. And can I tell you today that the root of our faith, the root of who you and I are as believers in Christ, surrounds three significant things that we must believe, that we must accept the virgin birth of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's the source. That's the foundation. That's what we have to come. And and Jesus is saying, come and see. Come and experience. It's not just a story that was written. It's not just words in in a book someplace. But you can actually walk it out. You can encounter this. I read a statement this week. It said, the stone was rolled away not for Jesus to come out, but for people to go in. 
He wanted it as an evidence for us to be able to go in and to observe that the tomb was empty, that this Jesus that was dead is now alive. He invites us once again to come, to participate in the life with Jesus. He invites us to see and to experience him personally. This come and see is a divine invitation to observe, to change your perspective. How many have ever had ideas about God and then you encounter God? How many have ever heard about God and then you encounter God? How many have seen someone's life and then you see God? Can I tell you this experience that it's all about is about encountering, being changed, having your perspective shifted, seeing something a way that you've never seen it before. Knowing about Jesus is not enough. That's religion. Knowing about Jesus is not enough. He invites us into this relationship with Him. All throughout Scripture, we can see this personal experience and the importance of it. Jesus Himself was passionate when He said, Come, follow me. Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He said, Let the little children, what? Come to me, and do not hinder them. And then one that challenges a lot of us a little bit more, he says, if anyone would come after me and follow me, then you will. Can I tell you this come and, come and see experience is something that's life transforming, but this come and see experience is not just a pass. It has an expectation upon our lives. This come and see invitation is one that God desires for each of us to personally step into. This come and see invitation is not an invitation just for Easter Sunday once a year. This come and see invitation is something that He wants us to interact with every single day of our lives, every moment of our lives. It needs to shape who we are. The gravity of the story needs to impact us, not just once a year. It's a relationship that He asks of us to walk out. Today, you can hear the stories of Easter, or you can come and see the stories of Easter. Point number two, come and see. Not only did they say come and see, but they also said go and tell. Go and tell. Matthew 28, 7 through 10 says this, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him now I, now I have told you this. So the women hurried off and, uh, from the tomb, and they were afraid, yet they were filled with joy. Everyone say filled with joy. They were anticipation. There was something that was going on, and they ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them, and he said, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. There they will encounter me. I love this, how, Mar how Matthew writes this. They were afraid, yet they were filled with joy. They were in shock. They were bewildered. They didn't know. They couldn't reason at all. There was a hesitation that was there. This passage of Scripture, if you look a little bit higher, when it talks about the earthquake, the same word for afraid is used for this great earthquake. And this word afraid in the Greek is this. Shaken in a deep way. 
Mary and Mary came and saw, and their lives were shaken in a deep way. There was a fear. There was a respect and honor of what had taken place. But in the middle of all that, there was this great joy, this joy of knowing that Jesus was not dead, but Jesus was really alive. Can I tell you that I think sometimes we can grasp the joy and we forget the awe? And today my goal, my heart, my, I sense the heartbeat of, G, heartbeat of God himself is to go, I want them to experience awe and I want them to experience joy. I want them to understand the gravity of this moment. Go and tell is to move from where you are and to tell about your encounter. This encounter, this going and telling requires that you have a testimony requires that you have actually come and seen and encountered and have something first person to tell about him. This word testify is this, to tell evidence of something's existence. We can come and we can assume and go, you know, God exists. Or we can come and encounter and go, no, God exists. Testify to bear witness and to provide personal proof. You go, well, Pastor Kevin, I don't have personal proof. If you've encountered Jesus, you're his personal proof. Can I tell you that? That so often we want to come back and go, how do I debate scripture? How do I? It's not about debating. It's coming and giving a testimony of. It's coming and saying, I've been changed by. You saw before, this is me after. What I've realized is this. You cannot convincingly tell someone about an experience if you've not experienced it. How many have ever tried to tell someone else's story? It means something, but it doesn't quite mean as much. Each of us can come and we can testify about our encounter with God and your story is significant to you. It's gonna have your emotion, it's gonna have your feelings, it's gonna have your before and after picture. Your testimony is so powerful. A testimony gives praise to God, a testimony gives hope to people. A testimony exposes people to the possibility of what God can do. If he did it in your life, maybe he can do it in my life. The overall Bible story, the story of God's mighty acts, the testimony of God in the, pow in the past has power to change the present. Isn't that what the preaching of God's word is? The power of the past, the word of the past is changing my life today. As you open God's word day in and day out, it's the power of the past, the power of the written word that's present today changing your life. It's only after this personal encounter with him that we can convincingly tell about him. I think our temptation is this. In the Gospel of Matthew, we see that the disciples, Matthew, uh, who, it was Peter, James, and John, excuse me, went up on the mountain with Jesus. We know it as the mountain of transfiguration. And in this moment, this holy moment, Jesus is with Peter, James, and John, and they're standing around, and all of a sudden, heavens open up, and Elijah and Moses are there on the mountaintop with them. And they're glorying in all the presence of coming and seeing and standing in awe of all that's there. And Peter's response is this, Many like us. And Peter says, hey, Jesus, I got a great idea. Let's build three tabernacles. Let's save this moment. Let's, 
idolize this moment. Let's make this moment. And Jesus is going, no, you're missing the whole, you're missing it all. It's not about these three characters. It's about walking in the moment by moment experiences of God. Can I tell you today, when we think about Easter, and I think this is where we can sometimes be guilty of, let's build a monument of Easter rather than living Easter every day of our lives. Let's build this highlight, this moment to go, no, Jesus is risen. And we can celebrate. And can I tell you today, as I hear this room filled with people and the music going high and the loudness of your singing and your praising, I'm going to ask you this. Is it going to be as loud next Sunday? Was it as exuberant last Sunday? Christians, Christ followers, it should be. Because we celebrate Easter every day of our lives. It's, we're marked by it. We are the Easter people, and hallelujah is our song. Jesus said, go into all the world. The message of Jesus is to come to a sea, to go and to tell. The gospel is what it's all about. Boyd Bailey said this, he goes, those who know Jesus are called by God to help others know Jesus. We're in the middle of a series, if you're part of Relevant Life Church, of loving where you live, of not just loving him in this room, but loving him outside of this room. Our invitation of loving where you live is that you would come and you would experience Jesus, that you would come and see Jesus, that Jesus would change your life, and that as he changes your life, you would not just sit there and go, oh, let's build a monument. Oh, it feels so good to come to church on Sunday, and oh, wow. No, but that you'd go out, and you would really love where you live. We've asked this question of what would happen if we loved where we lived like Jesus loves where we live? Can I tell you, that's the transformation of the gospel. That's the coming and seeing and going and telling. As a witness, we simply tell what we know from our experience. As I close this morning, I realize that in this room, on the magnitude of an Easter Sunday, we are all at different places on the journey of faith. But can I tell you this, that all of us are going to be at different places of coming and seeing and going and telling and coming and seeing and going and telling and coming and seeing and going and telling. Every time I open the Word of God, I'm coming and seeing, and I have a responsibility to go and tell. Every time I come into His presence, whether it's walking down the road and listening to a worship song or whatever it is, and I'm coming in and I'm seeing, I have a responsibility to go and tell. As believers today, we're coming and seeing. It's a, a journey that we're continually taking in our lives to come and see, to bear witness, to go and tell, to make known. 1 John chapter 1 the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation are all written by the same John. John the disciple, John the beloved, John the one that had an eyewitness experience with Jesus. He saw, he encountered, and I want you to, re I want you to hear these verses this morning. John says this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, 
not heard about, but which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father that... which was with the Father and has appeared to us, we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. Can I tell you today that you and I, we've seen and we've heard that those out there can have fellowship with us. Today, with your heads bowed in this room, I believe There are probably multiple responses, but two that I want to focus on real quickly today. First of all is the come and see. And probably two or three stages to the come and see step here is the invitation is to all of us to come and see. And I would ask you today, has there been a place in your life where you have lost the fascination about who God is? Has it become just a story to you? Has it become a highlight in your Christian faith in your belief system? Or is it something that you walk out on a day-to-day basis? And if you're here today and you are a believer and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, this first is for you to go, no, I realize that the come and see, the fascination is gone. It's waning. And this is a moment to renew that fascination. It's not just about Easter. It's not just about an Easter Sunday encounter. It's a day in and day out encounter. So God, across this room, God, I pray for every believer that has lost the awe and the joy. God, would you restore it into our hearts and into our lives? God, would you fill us with a passion and a desire to know you like we've never known you before? Your head's still bowed. Second question. Maybe you're here today and you've walked away from Jesus Christ. You've known him at one time in your life. Maybe you've never encountered him. Maybe it's a thing that you do because everyone does it on Easter and you go to church, but you've never come and actually encountered Jesus. You've heard about him. You know the story, but you've not seen him today, probably the most important day of your life is to make the decision that I want to come and see. And I want the privilege and the honor to help you go there. No one's looking around but myself because I want to pray with you. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you today. Anyone in the room? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else this morning? It's as simple as saying a simple prayer with me and walking it out to say, God, I want to continue to see you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he died on the cross for me, that I might have cleansing, that I might be made new, that I might see you that I might encounter you and that my life would be changed. Jesus, today, I need you to be the Lord of my life. I need you to change my life. I want to be a new person. 
And God, today I thank you for every person that's prayed that prayer. God, today they have stepped into a new creation. They've stepped into a new realm of understanding. And God, we thank you for their lives. Would you give a round of applause to those three, four that raise their hands? <laughs> Hallelujah. There's celebration in heaven. It says that when one comes, there's victory. Last step this morning. Question number three. And I believe all of us, if you're a follower of Christ, need to be able to step into this going, God, help me to have boldness to go and tell. I want to give you a real practical step today. Practical step that is probably most of you are going to be with family that is common and understandable. They, they would not know who you are. Maybe it would be a stretch to some, but I want to challenge you that when you sit down around your Easter dinner or you're spending time with your family, would you take an opportunity to tell of something God's done in your life? That's a testimony. That's going and telling. That's going to encourage someone else's faith. And in the process of that, would you go and tell someone tomorrow of why Easter is so important to you, of what Jesus has done in your life? God, today across these people today, Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 1, you fell upon the upper room and you gave boldness to tell about you. Holy Spirit, we need a baptism of boldness, of conviction, of knowing who you are, of encountering that, but also telling others. God, today I pray that we would not build monuments, but the God that we would be tellers, that we would be faithful about the mission of God. The mission of Easter is to come and to see and to go and to tell. Would you say that with me? To come and to see and to go and to tell. One more time, to come and to see and to go and to tell. God, I commission them to go today, to go and to be their, your hands extended in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen. As you came in this morning, you saw that there was an amazing photo booth out there. We would encourage you to take a picture. And would you tag RLC on any social media platform so that we can see that you participated? We gave, we had a great team. Allie and her team put this amazing booth together out there. Also, is, are they still serving drinks? Not, after, not afterwards, okay. Sorry, I was gonna give you drinks, but they said no. Anyway, God bless you. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Praise the Lord. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.